March, Mark preached on Peter uh, and Jesus' question to the disciples, who do you say I am? And the disciples gave a few answers, but Peter said, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the Chosen One. Last week, Luke talked about a transfiguration on a hill where Peter once again saw the living Christ. And today, we ask the same question. Who do you say that Jesus is? What is the Christ? Well, let me step back a little bit. And any history professors in the audience today, please excuse me, because it may not have happened just like this. But historians tell a good story. About 450 years ago, Galileo found that he had a talent for grinding lenses. And he put one end of a or put a lid, a lens on one end of a tube and a smaller lens on another, and he looked through and he had a telescope. The telescope had several practical purposes, mainly used for military purposes, but at night, Galileo pointed it up to the heavens. Now, when Galileo looked at the heavens, he had an issue because the church had ordained this as orthodoxy. This was the way. God structured the universe. The earth is here. Humanity is in the center. The moon goes around the earth in a perfect circle because God is perfect. The sun goes around the earth in a perfect circle because God is perfect. The planets go around the earth and they do kinds of crazy things, but it's got to be a perfect circle even though it doesn't look like one because God is perfect. And then the stars go around, and they go around in a perfect circle. And beyond the stars, there is God. And God relates to humanity because he sent Christ to the center of, the, of humanity to become a human being. That is the truth. That is ordained by God, and you cannot question it. Galileo looked at the moon through his telescope. He saw mountains. It wasn't just a perfect circle. He looked at Saturn, and he found ears. He looked at Jupiter and noticed that there were, on consecutive nights, shadows, four of them, moving across the surface of Jupiter. Something's going on here. And like a good academic, Galileo went out and told the story. When the authorities heard of it, they were appalled. This was not orthodoxy. This was not ordained of God. This is not Christ. Galileo said, okay, come with me and look through the telescope. The church sent some officials to his house. He's out on the patio, have a little wine, have a little pizza, wait for dark, look up at the sky. And he hands the telescope to one of the churchmen. The churchman looks up at the moon. Galileo says, 
said, what do you see? Well, there are mountains on the moon. Aha! He looks at the bishop. He gives him his telescope. Look at Saturn. What do you see? Well, there are funny things on the side of Saturn. They could be ears. He gives the archbishop the telescope and says, look, look up at Jupiter. What do you see? Four shadows. It must have moons. Galileo said, what do you think? Well, the answer is obvious, Galileo. You have bewitched us. <laughs> and humanity was in the center of everything. The earth was here, the moon was here, and the earth. Who do we say Christ is? There are all kinds of doctrines. There are doctrines that separate the church. There are doctrines that have separated the church so much that we kill one another over it. We're still doing it today in some parts of the world. Is that what Christ is? If we look to the scriptures, Matthew Fox tells us in Genesis 1, there is good news. And it's not just good news for people who are looking at the New Testament. It's good news. Because in the beginning, there was nothing. There was chaos. The Spirit of God hovered above the water. And God said, let there be light. And boom! 13.8 billion years ago, there was light. And God said, this is good. If we look at the opening of John, John talks about the Word of God, the Logos, the Spirit, the foundation of everything, God's foundation. And God's foundation, <coughs> God's foundation was present at the beginning. That means that God spreads out through the entire cosmos. John says, Later, no one has seen the Christ. Excuse me, just one moment, please. <coughs> that was just a dramatic pause in the sermon. <laughs> John says, no one has seen God, but we have seen the became flesh. Sarch in Greek. Real flesh and blood. And that flesh came to save the world. The spirit of Christ is not just in the historical Jesus. The spark of the Holy Spirit, according to Genesis and according to John, spreads throughout creation. And God longs for us, the Bible says, to be united with him. Jesus says, I am in the Father, the Father is in me. I am in you, you are in me. That means that this Logos, this divine spark, this word of God, and the word was God, and the word was with God, that spark is in all of us. And it longs to be united 
divine fire to be one. Wow, that's a powerful message. Who do you say the Christ is? <coughs> well, we've always tried to limit that in religion, no matter what religion. If we look at the Hebrews, they immediately say they're a chosen people. And this divinity that spread throughout everything is just for us. <coughs> the prophets will come later and they will say, no, 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 wait a minute. You don't get this. This spirit permeates creation. It came for the Gentile and the Jews. This spirit is the spirit of the living God. Well, they still didn't get it. Jesus came. And Jesus talked about the Spirit. And it's a funny thing in the New Testament, in the four books that made it into the Gospels, all the stories of Jesus, he, <coughs> excuse me, he never corrects anyone who is a non-believer. He goes for people like me who think they have the answers. Jesus is always welcome. He is among the poor. He's among the rich, too. He's among the Sanhedrin. He's there for everybody. And lo and behold, in his crucifixion, the curtain in the temple that only keeps the select priest from going in is ripped into, symbolizing the Spirit of God. Nothing separates us from the love of God, St. Paul. That's great news. That's Christ. But the church tries to limit it. The church starts coming up with something they'll call the New Testament. Some books make it in, some books don't. They have a council at Nicaea. There's all kinds of arguments about the doctrine of Christ. So it takes them about 300 years, but then they figure out who Christ is, who Jesus is. And there's a standard formula. We talk about the Holy Spirit. Oh, golly, that's a hard one. Well, not hard anymore, because after 451 years at Chalcedon, which is now in modern-day Turkey, they formulated the doctrine of the Trinity. And there it is. You either believe it or you don't. You're either in or you're out. And that's God. And that's how, why God is. That God, as you know God, look around you. Look at the band of stars in the Milky Way at night. Look through the pictures of the Hubble telescope. Look at 13.8 billion light years. Is that not where God is too? Is our God too small? Who do we say Christ is? Is it just for a special group of Christians? Is it just for all Christians? Is it for members of other faith? <coughs> well, if the answer is yes, what about proto-human? 
human beings that came before us where our brains can reflect on this concept called God, and maybe they could and maybe they couldn't. Adam named the animals. What about everything God has created? Is our God too small? Is God not the God of everything? St. <clears throat> Paul will say in Romans, the entire cosmos longs for salvation. There's no easy answer to that question. <clears throat> no easy answer at all. But today, just as Jesus did 2,000 years ago, we're being looked at in the eye. Who do you say Christ is? Will we stay with firm beliefs that we know are absolutely true? Or will we have the courage to go out on the porch and look through Galileo's amazing new telescope? In the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit.